This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. Emmanuel Bebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Welcome to Oski Talk. I'm Drew Pastoric, taking you through the past week in Fighting Illini Athletics, uh, women's and men's basketball, reaching the NCAA tournament, both teams exiting the field of 68 early. Be breaking down some of that action here for you in a little bit. Also be talking about what the future holds, what the offseason is going to look like for Shauna Green and Brad Underwood. And at the end of the episode, I will spotlight our Illini of the week. First things first, I want to point out that Illinois is one of just 14 schools to make a bowl game and have both the men's and women's basketball teams compete in the NCAA tournament. 14 schools in D1. Illinois, one of the 14. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, you had Purdue, Maryland, and Iowa achieve that. Big 12 was Baylor and Texas. ACC was Duke and North Carolina State. Out of the Pac-12, soon to be Big Ten neighbors, USC and UCLA. Then you had Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi State from the SEC and UConn. That's the list. That's pretty cool. And I, I, I think I have this right. I think it was 1999, the last time that that happened in the same year with Illinois. Football making a bowl game, women's basketball and the men's basketball qualifying for the NCAA tournament. I know those things may not have ended the way we hoped they would, but it's still pretty cool. Speaking of football, a couple of little notes here. And Illini Football tweeted this out last week. Devin Witherspoon was officially immortalized in Grange Grove. If you recall, he was a consensus All-American. And because of that, he gets a plaque. He gets his number, his jersey honored in Grange Grove as well. They posted a video of Devin Witherspoon seeing the, you know, the plaque, seeing the jersey. Very, very cool stuff. 20 other consensus All-Americans. And now Devin Witherspoon joining that short list and a very impressive list. And you could tell that Spoon was very touched by it, too. They show him and he's you know, taking photos of it with his phone. And he's just like, man, this is a trip. <laughs> and for an unranked guy? Like a zero-star recruit? Hell yeah. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. And you'll be hearing his name called on day one of the NFL draft as well. Whether it's top five, top ten, top fifteen, he's going to be there. And his name is going to be called pretty early. So just the start of an exciting offseason and an exciting few months for Spoon. And sticking with the gridiron, got to send some love to Nick Allegretti. Re-signing with the Super Bowl champ, Kansas City Chiefs. That was kind of a fun story heading into Super Bowl week was that Nick Allegretti's wife gave birth ahead of the Super Bowl. I think the morning of, or in the early morning hours of Super Bowl Sunday, she gave birth to twins, and then Nick Allegretti suited up and won a second Super Bowl ring with Kansas City and reportedly signed a one-year deal to stay with the Chiefs. So he'll be there at least one more year. Maybe he'll get a, a third ring. You never know. As far as the current Illini are concerned, spring practice is starting up this week, leading up to the spring game on April 20th. So you can be looking out for a piece here in the next few days from Mahir, one of our football writers. He'll have some storylines, some players to watch as spring practice gets underway as well. Let's get the hoops talk started with the women's basketball team. 
Of course, the big story heading into Selection Sunday was that the Illini would be in the field of 68 for the first time since 2003. First tournament appearance in two decades. Shauna Green taking care of that in year one. Maybe a bit of a surprise that the Illini were in the first four. So one of the last teams to make the, the, uh, the field. But talking with Alex Orr last week on the podcast and you know if you look at the schedule you know the teams illinois beats with the exception of iowa now it, it was a pretty light a pretty soft schedule based on the teams that they beat so had had that game had illinois not won that game against iowa they might have missed the tournament altogether but they were part of the first four it was the first game of the ncaa tournament on wednesday night and Women's basketball did fall to Mississippi State 70-56. to So Illinois, one of the last teams in the field and were the first team eliminated from the field as well. Illinois hung early. We knew that the size advantage was going to go to Mississippi State. Their best player, Jessica Carter, 6'5". Illinois doesn't really have anyone to counteract that Kendall Bostic, you know, second team, all big 10 at the center position, but a bit undersized and she was not healthy either. Jayla Odin also missing the game. She missed her fifth game in a row due to injury. Kendall Bostic sustained a leg injury leading up to the Mississippi state game. She tried to play, tried to fight through it, but it was clear from the onset that she was not herself, was not the caliber of player that she has been all throughout the season. Bryn Shoop-Hill was back. She had missed some time late in the year due to injury, but you know, Shauna Green already working with a short bench, you know, maybe seven players that she typically goes to, eight at the most, and you throw in some key injuries, and uh, it was going to be very difficult for the Illini to keep pace with Mississippi State, and that's what happened. It was a one-point game at the half. Bulldogs led 31-30 to and then really took over, went on a big run 11-2 early in the third, and Illinois could not catch up from there. Genesis Bryan, some Makaira Cook trying to keep things going for Illinois, but the interior plate is too much for Illinois Mississippi State just kept feeding Carter inside. Illinois didn't really have an answer for her. So the season concludes 22-10, and 10, but the reaction to the women's season and the men's season, very, very different. We've talked about it so often, how tremendous of a turnaround this has been in year one, Shauna Green coming from Dayton, where you know, she made the NCAA tournament five times in six seasons and really established them as one of the better mid-major programs in the country, comes to Illinois, has a huge hole to dig this program out of seven victories last season. Illinois just 7-20, and 20, and they more than tripled that this past year 22 wins had just 42 in the previous five seasons combined so again it's hard to really express what this season's been like it's hard to accurately describe it because it was so unexpected so joyful to watch and then you have that big win over Iowa January 1st at Carver Hawkeye Arena on top of it uh, really just a, a sensational debut in Champaign and look this team's going to have a lot back as well this team's going to have a lot of returning players we assume that Genesis Bryant Makaira Cook Bryn Shoop Hill we assume that they're all going to be back for the Illini Adalia McKenzie one of the holdovers from Nancy Faye's roster. She had an honorable mention all Big Ten season. She was just a sophomore this year, so you expect her back. Kendall Bostick still has a year of eligibility left. The one player we know for sure is leaving is Giovanna Lopez, but 
You know, Odin's got eligibility left. I think Peebles has another year remaining as well. That's a good core to build around. And we saw Samantha Dewey at the end of the season get some tick in the front court. So, you know, I think they're going to have a deeper team next year. And then you have two outstanding freshmen coming in. Corey Allen, a guard from Montverde. And then Gretchen Dolan from New York State, one of the elite scorers in the country. Averaged about 38 points per game the last two seasons of high school. One of the top scorers in the history of New York State. So uh, they needed some additional scoring punch when you know Bryant or Cook had an off night. You know, I, I think she might be a player that can slot in day one and start and make an impact. And of course, we know about the transfer portal. That's always going to be a factor. Shauna Green worked it very well entering her tenure at Illinois, bringing in you know, former player Makaira Cook, former player Bryn Shoup Hill, also getting Genesis Bryant from North Carolina State. So I think hopes are high for next year's team as well. Now, you won't have the same expectations other than maybe making the NCAA tournament, which seems like you know, all but a certainty based on what uh, this team was able to accomplish. You know, it, it's really hard to win. We know that. We say that. It, it's hard to win in March, especially when it's a brand-new coach, a brand-new staff, brand-new system. You know, some of those players that we mentioned had played together. Odin, Peebles, Kendall Bostick. Adalia McKenzie, they were part of last year's roster at Illinois. But Makaira Cook, Bryn Shoup Hill played together at Dayton under Shauna Green. So they had some familiarity with the system and Coach Green's style of play. So you just, you got to be ecstatic. You've got to be thrilled for the prospects of this team. Just a tremendous step forward in year one under Shauna Green. Can't say enough good things about her work. I know that the season ended a little earlier than they would have hoped, but I I don't think any fan would have expected the Fighting Illini to even sniff the tournament in year one. And Alex and I had talked about that earlier in the season, even in November, when they were rattling off some early wins against some inferior competition. It was like, hey, if they can finish... You know, even top 10 in the Big Ten. That's a hell of an achievement considering where they've been. If they could win you know, 15 or 16 games, if they could just get above 500, you'd be thrilled. And certainly Illinois did that and then some. So I can't wait to see how the offseason progresses. It's a team that surprised a lot of folks. They're going to have eyeballs on them now. And the Big Ten's as talented a league as there has ever been. Indiana, Iowa, of course, Ohio State, Michigan, Maryland, Wisconsin's improving, Nebraska's improving. Uh, It's going to be a thrill ride again. It's going to be another stacked Big Ten conference for the 23-24 season. And Illinois is going to have a target on their back, so to speak. They're going to be one of those teams where no, they might not be favored to win it because you still have Indiana and Iowa and a couple other teams I just mentioned, but they're going to be looked at as one of the top teams in the league. And I think 12 months ago, you never would have been saying that. Maybe after year two or year three, you might say, look, there is some clear progress. This team is getting much, much better. We like their chances in the long haul, but year one to make the tournament, I think the only way to look is up, moving ahead. Moving on now to the men's draw. It was also a short stay in the NCAA tournament for Brad Underwood's team, fighting Illini, losing the 8-9 game to the Arkansas Razorbacks, 73-63 on Thursday. We were there, Jack, our photographer, And myself were at Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines to cover the action. Got to say, it was a really fun event, even though, as we know, the Illini came up short. But it was 
quite an event. It was you know very fun to be a part of. Great turnout from the Illini faithful. A lot of Illinois fans there. A lot of Arkansas fans there as well. Of course, a large contingent from Kansas as well. They opened the day. And then Illinois, Arkansas followed. And it was just a fun experience to be a part of, you know, to witness that. Uh, the results on the court wasn't, you know, what we hoped it would be, but I think a lot of us kind of expected a, a quick tournament trip. And it was a lot of the same stuff we'd seen over the course of the year. But before I get into that, uh, I got to tell you a little story. So my mission became twofold. Not only did I get to cover my favorite team at my favorite sporting events, but I, uh, I had to try to seek out a celebrity. So Selection Sunday, we find out Illinois is playing Arkansas, going to be in Des Moines. I live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It's two hours away. Easy trip for me. Just go there, cover the game, come back. We'll see what happens. So I'm telling my wife the story. Hey, we're playing. I'm going to try to get, you know, media credentials so we can cover the game. And, you know, they have somebody there. And I know I was just gone for like four days on this other trip, but this is pretty cool. And it's, you know, kind of a thing I might not get to do again. So, you know, whatever. She's like, cool. Sounds fine. You know, I, I think you should go. So get the credentials, get all the stuff, all the, you know, plans are set. And like Monday night or Tuesday night, my wife is chatting with me and she goes, you didn't mention to me that Illinois was playing Arkansas. I was like, okay, well, they're playing Arkansas. <laughs> and she's like, Bobby Bones is going to be at the game. He talked about it on his show today. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Bobby Bones, he is a syndicated country radio morning host. Think of it as like the country version of Ryan Seacrest. Works for the same major media company he has a bunch of other projects like he executive produces he's a host of a couple of different shows on television he's a coach on american idol and he's got this radio show and like three other podcasts that it like dudes all over the place super super busy guy but he is also a diehard arkansas razorbacks fan he's from arkansas and apparently he's going to be at the game. Not in like the media area. He's not, you know, covering it. He's not doing it for any other purpose other than just being a fan. He's going to support his guys. And so my wife has now given me this mission to meet Bobby Bones. Not just to like see him and say, oh my God, he's in section blah, 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 blah. I have to like meet him, get a picture with him, get a voice note on my phone, something. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Fat chance that's going to happen. So I tweet about it. I tweeted it, I want to say Wednesday, that now I have this other achievement I have to unlock. <laughs> and I tagged Bobby Bones. I mentioned him in my tweet that, you know, I'm told I can't leave without a photo or something. And he likes the tweet. So I'm like, oh my God. All right, we're one step closer. So now I'm trying to comb through the stands or do some recon to find out where he is. My wife is literally sending me pictures. Like she's screen capping Bobby Bones Instagram story or something to like kind of show me geographically where he is in the arena it's like, if you look here, you could see this diagonal. You could see above his head, there's a three. So he's in this section over here, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you realize I'm in the other end of the arena, right? They're not going to show where the media people are. And I'm in the overflow on top of that. So like, if you watch a game on TV, you might see Barnhart or, you know, some of the TV guys, you might see like the back of their heads, maybe depending on where you're at or the game, the venue, you might see them actually eye to eye. You might see their faces on the broadcast. Typically not. If you watch a game on TV, you're going to see the logo 
and it will be right side up. So I'm on the other side of the building. The March Madness logo is upside down from my vantage point. And I'm in like level 320 or something. That's the media overflow. So I am supposed to find Bobby Bones in section 100 something and on the complete opposite side of the arena. I'm like, sure. Easy enough. It's not like there's another 3,000 Arkansas fans there wearing red sweatshirts or sweaters or whatever. But I keep sending little missives on Twitter like, hey, Bobby Bones. I mentioned him on Twitter. I'm like, if you could just DM me your section so I can find you (laughs) so my wife will leave me the hell alone. (laughs) And I keep trying to like scan the crowd. I'm like, I'm looking at this picture. I'm looking at what he's wearing. I'm looking at his, he's got like a snapback, like a flat bill baseball cap on. I'm trying to look for this cluster of people. And I'm like, I got nothing. I can't do it. I gave it a go. I tried. Like, trying to make my wife happy. So based on the events of the first half, I spent a good chunk of the first half and part of halftime just like... (laughs) With my eyes glued on section 100-whatever, trying to find where he might be. Uh, Being derelict in my duties as a journalist. (laughs) I was all for naught. It did not come to be. Um... So Illinois lost, and I did not complete my mission that my wife had sent me on. So just a smashing, (laughs) a smashing time in Des Moines, Iowa. Then I had to drive two hours home in like a snowstorm, and yeah, lovely. Uh, So anyway, back to the game. It was very typical of what Illinois has done much of the season. Illinois scored the first basket. They were up 2-0 and then never let again. (laughs) Had the advantage for 1 minute, 20 seconds, and then that was it. Uh, Another dreadful first half, another sluggish start. Illinois goes 8 for 29 from the floor in the first half. 3 of 11 from 3. They were down by as much as 13 wind up trailing by 10 at halftime. But then, as we've seen, they come out of halftime energized, fired up. They charged back into the game. Early in the second half, they had cut it down to five. And then Arkansas quickly went on like a 10-0 run to get it back up to 15. And then Illinois again with about Five minutes to go, started inching closer. They started slowly making that comeback. Terrence Shannon Jr. tried to do his Terrence Shannon Jr. thing where he takes over the game the last five, six, seven minutes. R.J. Melendez hit a couple of threes. He had a dunk to re-energize the crowd. And just Illinois gave it their all in the second half but just didn't have enough and wind up falling short and losing by 10 73 63 so again the the predictable slow first half followed by the rally in this case it was another hashtag fake rally to give us some false sense of hope um arkansas did not play all that well they were obviously better in the first half i think they were around 50 percent shooting in the first half Um, illinois defensively did a pretty good job on the razorbacks in the second half illinois shot 52 percent in the second half but also again three for 11 from beyond the arc so 27 percent from three which is pretty close to their season average they are 30 percent 30.8 this season from distance and missed some opportunities at the free throw line as well. So slow start, missing threes, missing free throws. We've seen that too many times to count. And again, it resulted in an Illini loss. Illinois had entered 
5-0 and all time against Arkansas, so we should have seen this coming probably. <laughs> um, Illinois now 1-7 all time versus the SEC in the NCAA tournament. I think the last win was in 85, 86, somewhere around there. And we talked about the sartorial choices, the apparel choices of Illinois throughout the year. Fighting Illini now 2-4. and four. Wearing the flying Illini throwbacks, the orange retros. And they were one and one in the dreaded blue jerseys, for what that's worth. Just pointing that out. The cursed jerseys resulted in one victory, and the jerseys everyone loves and wants to see all the time resulted in one additional victory. Uh, Brad Underwood now two and three at Illinois in the tourney. Get to that in a second, but just want to run through the the stat line there of uh, Terrence Shannon finishing with 20 points, five of 10 from the field did do much of his damage at the foul line. Again, pretty typical. Only Zach Eady got to the free throw line more often than TSJ among big 10 players. TSJ 10 out of 13 from the stripe. So finishes with 20 on the day. Coleman Hawkins, 10 points, four rebounds, three assists. Did have six turnovers, but he was doing everything for Illinois. At times, it looked like he was trying to play all five positions at the same time because Illinois is playing with their heads up their asses for much of that first half. RJ Melendez came alive in the second half, had all 10 of his points in the second 20 minutes, six rebounds, three assists as well. Said he had a couple of threes to start rallies. He had a a nice dunk later in the second half when we thought Illinois might be doing this thing again, doing the comeback thing. One of his better games of the year. He has struggled mightily, and it's been well documented that he just has not been the same really since that uh, Houston game when he had the the dunk, uh, the technical on that dunk that should not have been a technical That was kind of the turning point for him. And he hadn't really recovered, hadn't really played well since that game. But had a a nice game for Illinois on Thursday. He really did. Jaden Epps did not play at all in the second half. He was one of five from the field, had just two points in six minutes. I don't know if he was, you know, struggling due to the, you know, the concussion stuff. If Brad saw something he didn't like, I really don't know. But uh, Jaden Epps only playing about six minutes in the game on Thursday. Uh, Matthew Meyer may as well have not even suited up. He was pretty much a no-show. Had a couple of free throws, and that was it. 0 for 6 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. 22 minutes. He had more turnovers than points. Three turnovers, two points. Illinois minus 16 with Matthew Meyer on the floor. Um, So the Matthew Meyer saga, just adding another chapter. And uh, I put this in my piece. I did do a a follow-up column at the Champagne Room. You know, they do the media availability, the media sessions, you know, before and after the game. Matthew Meyer, prior to the game had said something to the effect of if we shoot 30% from three, it's okay because we're such a good offensive rebounding team. And that's all you really need to know about how in touch with reality this team is because Illinois shot 27% from three. Matthew Meyer did not hit a shot from three and Illinois got out rebounded on the offensive glass 11 to three. But just to say that, you know, the exact quote was, we haven't shot it amazing, but I still believe in the three ball because we're such a good offensive rebounding team. If we're shooting threes at 30%, it's not going to kill us, end quote. So fittingly, the Illini went 6 of 22 from three-point range. Meyer did not hit one the entire day, and... Arkansas out-rebounded Illinois 11-3 on the offensive glass. So that was you know one of the things 
you know, Illinois was one and done on a lot of these possessions. They were missing shots and then were not getting those extra opportunities to convert points, whether it's getting to the free throw line or putbacks or whatever. They just weren't getting those chances. Arkansas was getting more of those opportunities. And they did what they needed to do. They pulled away, won it late, finished off the job. Eric Musselman's one of the better coaches in the country. Brant Dolce was on the podcast last week, and we were talking about the merits of Brad Underwood versus the merits of Eric Musselman. I don't know, and I said this last week on the podcast, I don't know if it came down to necessarily X's and O's. I think it just came down to hitting shots. Arkansas hit theirs in the first half. Illinois didn't. Razorbacks had a little bit of a cushion. Their margin for error was a little bit larger. Illinois valiantly tried to come back on a couple of occasions in the second half and just were not able to do so. Arkansas played a really good defensive game throughout. Illinois did have some looks that just didn't fall. You know, Meyer missed all five of his threes. I think three of them were in and outs. So there were some decent looks that Illinois just didn't convert on. There were a couple of layups that were missed. Uh, It wasn't like Arkansas just dominated from start to finish. Arkansas was not, you know, playing their best ball by any stretch either, but they just played better than Illinois for an extended stretch of time. And that's it. So now the season's over, 20 and 13. I wouldn't say I'm relieved. I don't really have that in me. Other fans, other guys that cover the team, you know, have said that, you know, they're just, they're glad the season's over. I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm a hoops guy. I want to see the women. I want to see the men play as long as possible. I wish they could win every game and go to the final four every year and and win the national championship. And it's just, it's not realistic, but you know, I'm, I'm not relieved. I want to see this team go on a sustained tournament run. I want to see this team get to at least the second weekend. And that's where the, the discussion is going to turn because now Of course, it's going to shift to Brad Underwood and his lack of success in March. I don't think this season is the season you point to. This isn't the one you circle and say, ah, see, there's something wrong here. There's something going on. Brad can't get it done. This season was an absolute mess since like mid-December on. Season started off fine. Illinois, you know, beat up those tomato can type of teams you'd expect Illinois to beat. They had that thrilling victory in Vegas against UCLA. They had that tremendous comeback win against Texas. It was really after the Texas game that things started to go sideways. You know, Penn State started it with that press conference with the, you know, the fart noise and Brad Underwood calling out his team. And then the Alabama A&M game happened where Illinois gave up a 16-0 run before ultimately pulling away and winning. They lose to Northwestern to start Big Ten play. They go 0-3. Everyone's saying, oh my God, the sky is falling. Cats and dogs are living together. What is going on? Then they go on a 4-0 run. They win four straight to get back into contention. They would later go on a run winning seven of eight in the Big Ten. And then they stumble down the stretch, wind up finishing 11-9 in the league, dropping their final three. So yeah, a a frustrating season, a confounding season, because you saw how much potential was there. You know, this team was... Talent-wise, one of the best teams in the country. But it just never came together for one reason or another. But I don't think this is the season you look at and say, oh, clearly there's an issue with Brad Underwood. He's not the guy. Like, this isn't the year you look at that. Illinois won 20 games and didn't have a point guard for most of the season, right? Sky Clark was the starting point guard. He was... At times, very ineffective. He leaves the program. 
and you're trotting out Ty Rogers running the point, Coleman Hawkins running the point, Terrence Shannon, Jaden Epps, Sincere Harris. It was a carousel of guys, and neither one of them really established themselves as a go-to point guard. You need a point guard. You need a Trent Frazier. You need a Feliz. You need even an Io DeSumo, an Andre Curbelo to just see things. And they didn't really have that guy. So Illinois is banged up. Luke Goody injured in October prior to the season. He doesn't come back until February. One of the guys you're relying on as maybe a starter, but certainly a guy off the bench that can give you, you know, 10, 12, 15 minutes a game. Maybe hit some threes for you. Provide a little bit of toughness, a little bit of energy. And they were a very young team as well. Even without Sky Clark, you still had... Since you Harris, Ty Rogers, Jaden Epps consuming a lot of minutes. There were three players from last year's team that were significant contributors that had come back. Goody, and again, he was out most of the year. RJ Melendez, who was a non-factor most of the year. And Coleman Hawkins. So you bring in Matt Meyer, you bring in Terrence Shannon Jr., Dane Danger as well. I know he was on the roster last year, but did not play because he transferred in. And you lost, what, 85, 90% of the scoring from the year before? So with all of that, you still wind up winning 20 games and getting to the NCAA tournament. If that's a disappointing season, I'll take that. I'm not saying I'm content. I'm not saying I'm complacent I obviously want more but this is not the year where I'm gonna draw a line in the sand and say it's now or never for Brad Underwood like I'm not doing that I feel like a lot of fans are projecting their anger from 2021 onto this team and it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense to do that it's completely different scenarios Yes, they fell short in 21. They did not look impressive in the tournament in 22. And they were one and done in 2023. Three different rosters, three completely different scenarios. The boardroom had tweeted something about this too. I don't have it in front of me, but um, the gist of it is a lot of Illinois fans are trying to make this a thing where there's failure in March. Like This is a thing, and this is what Illinois is doomed to endure. And it just isn't a thing yet. Illinois was the underdog in two of those three games. They were a four seed last year, and Houston was the five. They were an underdog in that game. Houston was coming off a Final Four appearance and were viewed by many as being under-seeded at five. They probably should have been a two or a three. And Illinois got a terrible matchup again. And then this year, Arkansas, as the eight, was like a two and a half, a three-point favorite, whatever it was. Illinois was an underdog in two of these three games and were said, oh, oh my God, this is, they, oh, they can't win in March. Brad Underwood's terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Like You're projecting your anger from two NCAA tournaments ago onto this team. And that's not fair. That team absolutely loaded and should have gone farther. That might be the best team Brad Underwood's ever going to have at Illinois. That might have been the most talented team ever at Illinois. If you, even if you count the 0405 team and the flying Illini, there might have been more talent on that 2021 team than any Illini team. They had everything. They had three-point shooting. They had defense. They had toughness. They had veteran leadership. They had future pro players. And they lost. You know what this 2023 team didn't have? Io DeSumo, Kofi Coburn, Georgie Bajanashvili, Trent Frazier, Adam Miller, DeMonte Williams, Jacob Grandison, Andre Curbelo. They didn't have any of those players on this team. They had Coleman Hawkins and Brandon freaking Lieb. That's it. Those are the only two scholarship players 
remaining from that team. The only thing those teams had in common, they were both coached by Brad Underwood, they were both eliminated early, and they were both wearing Illinois jerseys. That's pretty much it. You're doing mental gymnastics trying to correlate a team from two, three years ago with this one and saying that they're the same and they're not the same. And honestly, you're going to have more teams like this team than you are that previous team. Gone are the days where you have six, seven, eight, nine players that all stay together for four or five years. The transfer portal is just not going to allow that to happen. You could say it's ruined the sport, whatever. And you could say, oh, this is why you shouldn't lean on the transfer portal. Alfonso Plummer was on the team last year. And Illinois doesn't win the Big Ten without Alfonso Plummer. So let's just full stop. Leave it there. You're never going to hit 100% of your guys in the transfer portal. It's just like recruiting prep kids. It's just like recruiting high school players. If you bring in a class of four and three of those four are good, you're, you're doing well. You're not always going to get the right guys in place. Recruits aren't always going to pan out. Teams are not always going to win in March. It's really hard to do. That's why when you see Eric Musselman at Arkansas taking them to three straight Sweet 16s, possibly three straight Elite 8s, you're like, Gah! I want that! He can do it. Why can't we do it? Because it's friggin' hard. And it's matchups. And it's randomness. It's randomness. That's why you need to appreciate Coaches like Roy Williams and Mike Shashevsky and Tom Izzo because it's really friggin' hard to do with new rosters every year and more parity than ever in college basketball due to the transfer portal, due to NIL. It's really stinking hard to do it. I'll use an example to illustrate and then I'll move on. South Carolina basketball, not women, men's basketball. Frank Martin, close friend of Brad Underwood's. Brad was an assistant at Kansas State and South Carolina. South Carolina in Frank Martin's 10 seasons there. He was there a decade. Gamecocks got to one NCAA tournament. One in 10 years. It was a final four. Never made it any other time. They never made it except that one Final Four run in 2017. Another example, if you want to go back just to that 2021 season, is Oregon State. Oregon State, a 12 seed that was in Illinois' region. They made the Elite Eight. I know they'd been to the tournament before, but it had been a long time since they'd played in the NCAA tournament. They go on this great run in the Pac-12 tournament. They win the, win the conference championship, earn the auto bid out of the Pac-12. But they were uh, you know, obviously a, a 12 seed. They were not a very good team. Would not have made the tournament otherwise. Then they go on this run. They knock off a couple of higher-seeded teams. And they wind up getting to the Elite Eight as a 12 seed. The next season, they win four games, five games. So again, it, it's just a testament to the randomness, you know, being hot at the right time. A lot of factors go into it. It's not just this coach is good, this coach is bad. It's about the draw you get. It's about the matchups you wind up with. There's a lot of stuff that happens. I'm just saying, Illinois has been to the tournament three years in a row. They would have been there four years in a row if not for COVID. And I don't know if because we didn't see what happened in 2020, if that's what's fueling some of this too. Because Illinois was going to be in the tournament. They would have been like a six or a seven probably. But because we don't know, we're left 
with this, you know, head scratching situation we're in now. Like if Illinois had made the Sweet 16 or an Elite Eight in 2020, would you be more upset now or less upset? I feel like you'd be more upset, to be honest. Because then, oh, they win the Elite Eight, but then they went one and out, you know, or lost in the first weekend three years in a row. I said this in my piece at the Champagne Room as well. You could ask 10 Illini fans what success means, and you're likely to get 10 different responses. I'm not sure what it's going to take to make Illinois fans happy. Nothing that happens is going to be good enough. And that's, I don't want to fall into this trap of, we got to get rid of Brad Underwood and bring in somebody else. And then what do you do? And then what do you do? I'm not saying Brad Underwood is without fault or without criticism. He put these pieces together. The pieces did not fit. He has to take the blame for that somewhat. Absolutely. But let's not go crazy. He needs to get, you know, an X's and O's kind of guy on his sideline. Because we know that Brad Underwood's not, you know, a great tactician per se. He can recruit and he has recruiters on his staff that can bring players in. But Brad Underwood's not this, you know, maestro drawing up plays and systems and all of that. But the things he has drawn up, players aren't listening. And the players said that themselves. Ah, we got to listen to Coach Moore. He draws stuff up or he tells us an opponent's going to do something and then they do it and it's because we weren't paying attention. Like, yeah. (laughs) So is that Brad Underwood's fault or is that the player's fault? If the coach says something and you don't listen to the coach, oh, it's the coach's fault. Like, really? Like, it's just his fault? It's only his fault? Damn, all right. At least Illinois didn't lose to a 16 seed. Look at what Purdue's done the last several tournaments. Losing to a 13, a 15, and a 16. The Illini haven't done that. Almost doesn't count. Yeah, they almost lost to Chattanooga, but they didn't lose to Chattanooga. If Illinois lost to a 15 or a 16, and you want to bring out torches and pitchforks then, I'll be in that company with you. But let's just chill for now. Got a couple of good recruits coming in. We know Illinois is going to be active in the portal. They always are. They need a point guard. They need some size. They need some veteran players that play together, that aren't just paper chasers. We need guys that are going to play together. Look at these. Look at a team like an FDU or a Princeton or a Colgate. You know, teams like that. Those guys are coachable. They listen. They play together. Those are the kinds of players you should be seeking in the portal. Not just a five-star guy looking to go to the NBA next year. It's just my opinion. We'll see what happens. So I mentioned my piece at the Champagne Room. A couple of other really good ones. Plus Honeywood has one about how Illinois will handle the offseason, kind of outlining the future. Some of the things that I've, I've mentioned here, and Plez touches on in more detail. And then Brant Dolce had a great article Sunday assessing Brad Underwood after year six in Champagne. So lots of stuff to dive into at thechampagneroom.com now that the season is officially in the books. Before I wrap up the show, it is time to spotlight the Illini of the week. I did mention this group a couple of weeks ago on the show, but have to point them out again. The women's gymnastics team competing this weekend at the Big Ten Championships in Coralville, Iowa. Fighting Illini finishing fifth overall, so finishing in the top half of the Big Ten. I'm going to choose to single out Mia Takakawa, the senior from Sacramento, California. Had a standout performance on beam finishing with a score of 9.925. She took second place in the events and also claimed a share of the Bars Championship, finishing with a score of 9.95. So again, a really nice showing overall from the gymnastics team, women's team, claiming fifth place at the Big Ten Championships and now 
The NCAA regionals are up next. The selection show will be Monday morning. So I'm sure more than a few of those Illini athletes will be participating and competing in the NCAA tournament here coming up. That's going to do it for Oski Talk. I want to thank you again so much for listening. You can get past episodes of the show at thechampagneroom.com. And you can also download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I alluded to this a couple of weeks ago that the show is going to be undergoing some changes. There's going to be a lot of exciting things happening with Oski Talk. And I uh, look forward to sharing those with you and providing more access is going to be a a lot more stuff we're going to be revamping here i hate saying in the summer because it's it's not even april but a, a good bulk of what we talk about on the show has already wrapped up so obviously women's basketball men's basketball football you know all those those three main areas of emphasis they've already concluded and are in the off season so we're going to take a little bit of a break from Oski Talk, reconvene here in the next several weeks. So we have lots of exciting things brewing at the Champagne Room. That's not changing. Still going to give you quality Illini content. It's just going to slow down as we head into the late spring and into the summer. Of course, the NFL draft is coming up at the end of April. We expect... Devin Witherspoon to get drafted pretty highly. We expect the Brown brothers to go in the drafts. Alex Palcheski is a draft candidate as well. Uh, Quan Martin, uh, just to name a few. You know, we, we do expect some names to be called during NFL draft weekend. We might be back in time for that. Not sure yet, but so we do have some exciting things coming up here at the Champagne Room and with the future of Oski Talk. So appreciate the support and the love. Make sure you follow the Champagne Room on social media as well on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until we meet again, I'm Drew Pastoric, ILL.